Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. So we are officially live on social media. This is Reflection Artist number, Reflection Artist Live number 41 with our special guest, Marty Hill. Uh, He has a long history or Marshall who's some may know him, but he has a long history in our industry. Uh, He's been in the industry since 2002. So that puts him, you know, roughly at uh, 19 years of being in the detail industry. Uh, He's uh, been affiliated with multiple brands along with starting his own brand in 2010, Total Auto Solutions, which has evolved into HyperClean now. Um, But he's involved in a lot of great things along with hosting Pints and Polishing podcasts since right around 2017. So that's been ongoing for about four years now. So He's, uh, he's got quite a few things going on, wearing a couple hats, and he's doing very well at it. So I want to introduce Marty Hill and, of course, uh, thank him for taking the time out to be on the Reflection Artist Live as, of course, episode number 41. And today is August 18th. So we're on the better half of the year, fourth quarter. So Marty, give us uh, give us the background of how you got into the wonderful world of detailing and how it all started. I mean, from your adolescent years all the way up yeah cool uh <laughs> thanks man appreciate you having me on your uh you, you've been on the the pints and polishing podcast over the years multiple times so thanks man great got to, my water uh, on the rocks so yeah great to be on yours i'm enjoying in tradition of uh, what we do i'm enjoying uh tonya this is uh, just a regular cerveza mexican lager uh you and i've shared quite a few beers together over the years yes. going down to do uh certified trainings with you there and then eating at your restaurant or eating over still the best was that big sushi boat. That was, uh, that was oh, yeah. unbelievable. Oh, yeah. That, that was... would be at Pacific room and Merritt Island just to give them a plug because they do us right. And they sponsored a couple of different events for me within the detail industry. So yeah, yeah good sushi. Now that, that boat, you were like, there'll be a boat that comes out. And sure enough, there was this big, huge boat and we couldn't eat it. I mean, there's no way you eat all that. Like that was, that was, we were both hungry and we had sake and it was like, Hey, why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good time. So uh, I got into the industry just like so many others over the past year. And this year, you know, as the, the market, our industry gets flooded with all these new uh, people jumping in. Right. We always say it's the, one of the easiest industries to get into. I'm, I'm right there with them. I, I'm that guy, you know, 19 years ago, I'm, I grew up in a very conservative Southern Baptist uh, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, we were in church three nights a week. We, there was Bible studies. Like my path in life was that direction in church. I uh, went to college to study, played football and baseball there. Uh, went on to go do uh, my master's level to, you know, I was going to go do missiology. I was studying culture and how to, uh, you know, bring you know, bring the Bible, so to speak, into somebody else's culture. Uh, that's the study of missiology. So that was my path until I just couldn't work at churches, man. Like it would just, I just Is couldn't that like do it. Jehovah Witness kind of stuff? Uh, no, Baptist, Southern okay. Baptist. Well, so, I mean, as far as like figuring out how to get the Bible into the household, like. Yeah. 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 We would, you know, so, but it wasn't, I wasn't on the path to do the American stuff. I was, I had, um, I had taken a trip 
uh, out of college to go to uh, uh, Africa. And we did, they would just kind of got hooked in by some friends. They're like, dude, you got to go. And, and when I go to this meeting, they're like, you know, and you could go back to your church and they'll give you money to do it. And I'm like, wait, so I can do a free trip to Africa. Hell yeah. Let's do this. Damn. And uh, went to Malaysia. And then I, I started a, a nonprofit where we would go and teach kids how to play football. And I mean, play baseball, softball, basketball and stuff like that. Like it just, I really enjoyed it. That was me as a young kid. I enjoyed traveling, being in different cultures, eating all the different foods, trying to figure out, you know, life in another country. And, uh, you know, and but you that what, journey, 19, 20, you said at that yeah, time? yeah. So I would, wow. yeah, well, yeah. Out of college, I'd have been 21. Um, Still so though, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a prime age, right? Especially yeah. to be in another country. <laughs> uh, and why I started my business, why I started mobile detailing was to fund that group rock sports that I had started. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, my, part of my deal with being in the church was, you know, it just seemed like pastors just lived off of all this money that people gave them. I just didn't, it just never set right. Like just me inside of a church setting just didn't just never really work. So I always wanted to be out doing something else. And I always liked the idea of like creating your own funds, you know, developing your own thing, I kind of patterned off of what, you know, the apostle Paul, uh, you know, the way he did his ministry. And that was sort of the way I got started in life. And, and as a young kid, uh, and just got tired of working inside churches. So was complaining to a buddy one night uh, that I was living with, you know, at that point. Yeah, I'm like 22, 23, I think, something like that. And uh, was complaining to him about uh, working at this church. And he goes, listen, I've seen people clean cars down at the IGA, which is a grocery store. Right. So there was just so happened to be a mobile detailer that set up while people would go and shop. He would wash their cars for them out in the parking lot and sometimes in a little portico area. And I went, huh. I like my, uh, I like my rodeo. I like to keep my rodeo clean. Uh, still one of my favorite cars that I've ever owned was Nazuzu rodeo stick shift. Like it was, it was I a lot of fun. Those things. those things were, I mean, you could, you could do some stuff with those. They were, you really could. I, <laughs> it was surprising how much fun I had with it. Like it, I had a really good time with that, that vehicle. And, um, uh, so I just, that's what I did. I just decided to go clean cars. I, I, I found a bank that eventually gave me $4,000 because that's what I needed to get a trailer and get it set up. And, you know, here I am with, I get a single axle trailer and a 500 gallon water tank and a couple power washers. Uh, I started with a cold water unit, but I was starting to work with banks and different people to clean their concrete at the same time that I would, you know, clean cars and then clean concrete. You got to get a hot water unit for that, you know, so then I, my next purchase was to get a hot water unit. I could develop more contracts. And so I, that's how I got started, man. I just, about a week or so into, now, I cleaned one person's car and then I just you, quit my job and jumped right you, in. Did you notice a difference in, you know, going back to the cold water to hot water pressure washer? Were you able to clean the vehicles with the hot water pressure washer and notice a, a, a significant difference in the cleaning power? Hey, absolutely. When it's 30 degrees outside, you could definitely tell a major difference. You know, like <laughs> it was a big beneficial, you know, unit to have. I, we didn't use it except. So I also got, uh, we did a lot of country, you know, it's interesting as people ask in groups, you know, should I do fleet work? Absolutely. Why shouldn't you like, you know, so we did fleet work and especially on those big semis and those big trailers and stuff, the hot water really, really helped get all that grime and those bugs and get everything off. Uh, but 
but I didn't use it for regular detailing work. Um, that we had a, you know, just a small power, you know, regular cold water unit. Um, yeah. It, the, the big unit I wanted to save for cleaning concrete, that's when we needed it. I mean, this was one of those big, huge, it had that big burner on it. I mean, it was, it was a massive, uh, a massive power washer that, you know, I'm sure if you got too close into a chip, you know, someplace that had a, uh, had a, you know, a rock chip that I could probably throw back some paint. So I, you know, yeah. we didn't, we didn't use it a whole lot on cars except on those fleet works. No, that makes sense. And I'm sure if this is the early 2000s timeframe, I mean, I'm sure units weren't as compact as they are now either. So <laughs> that makes plenty of sense in regards to having that. But yeah, I just asked is maybe, you know, some of the viewers that might have interest in that or somebody might be on the fence that way they know the benefits and the pros and cons well, kind of thing. I mean, what I tell people is like, listen, I jumped out, right? There's, there's plenty of people, which just, you know, part of, we'll talk later, you know, as the transition of total solutions into hyperclean, I brought in a partner, Nick, who had come into the podcast and started interacting with this and then later, you know, joined into the, the group and he, well, group, it's me and him, but uh, anyway, that's what I mean, you know, like ownership group. Um, and, uh, you know, he started his journey different than me. He went to work for people. And that he did that for 10 plus years before he started his own business. Well, I couldn't do that. I just jumped full fledged in. And it's interesting in all the different questions where people ask, you know, if I'm working at a job, should I quit? If I'm doing this, should I? like there's no, we say there's no, there's no guidebook, right? As people try and say, here's this guidebook and how you do it. There's not a guidebook. Everybody can do it their own way. You can, you can go about it whichever way you feel that you think that you can do it. And that's what I did. I just jumped straight in, but I didn't think that when I come into the industry here in, in Oklahoma, 2002, people didn't understand that you could do mobile detailing. I mean, I know today that's a thing, but in 2002, we had so many customers that go, Oh wait, you mean you'll come to my office? Oh, like, Oh, you'll come to my home. Like it blew people's mind that I could wash their car and detail it in their driveway. Like they didn't understand it. So it, it took a while to get, that rolling. And when I mean a while, I mean months, but if you don't have any income, you can't live. So I had to figure out how do I survive, right? By cleaning some cars. And then I've got this equipment that I've got a loan on. Uh, I got to start maximizing what I can do with it. And that's what began cleaning, you know, decks, cleaning fences, cleaning houses, cleaning. I started, somebody asked if I could clean their driveway, which led me into Oh, I can go clean Sonics and I can go clean banks and, oh, I can go do this. So we would, in my tradition of ADD workaholic guy, like nonstop all the time, we would wake up and be at some people's house at seven o'clock, then go to corporate offices and clean parking garages, wherever. And then in the go, you know, go eat dinner, maybe take a nap if we wanted. Um, and then me and the guys, I'd go pick them back up and we'd go clean concrete at night. We, we had, accounts all over town where we would, you know, you maybe don't get to start till 10, 11, 12 o'clock. And then you work till, you know, two o'clock and wake up and do it the next day. Like, that's just what we did. That's, that's how I grew. My business was trying to not just do one thing, but try and maximize. I know it's a thing that everybody says it was what I always said too. you know, multiple revenue streams inside of my business, because, yeah. because detailing here in 2002 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I mean, we only had a couple, a handful of people besides the dealerships that and car washes that cleaned and detailed cars. There was only a handful of us. The market wasn't large enough to sustain a full time, uh, at least the way I saw it. But I mean, those, you know, producing that extra revenue at the time, 
I mean, you've got that, and then you've also got the seasons, right? Or the oh. seasons oh, yeah, where absolutely. yeah, that yeah. was another obstacle. So you know, being able to produce that maybe off season, so when season came in, you were still having revenue. And I know till this day, there's guys in the northern regions that experience a lot of snow that they snowplow and they do things that are outside of detail and to keep revenue coming in uh, in order to keep the bills paid essentially and then i know a handful that bust their ass during season so off season they are off like literally like doors are closed they're at home relaxing drinking their coffee watching their morning news (laughs) and i don't and i go both ways like i don't know how they do it either i'm not sure how somebody up in the northeast could could survive in the winter. Right. So that's why, that's why I looked at it too. There's multiple days uh, that we, we didn't have, but about maybe an hour or two above freezing. So, you know, you do what you could um, on those days, but when you're just starting off uh, (laughs) and your first couple of years, you know, man, it, you're right. It's rough. Like multiple times it was, I had enough money to pay rent. I knew I had a place to live for the month and that's all I knew, you know, I'd live off ramen and, if I could drink a beer here and there, I was happy, you know, like it is what it was. You find the cheapest beer that you can find and, you know, uh, just, just survive and continue to keep your head down and keep plowing through. It's kind of where, where it kind of all evolved from. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because nobody wants to hear that story, right? Nobody wants to hear that side of it. Ramen beer every so often. What? Yeah. Yeah. We've all, we've all come from, well, the majority have come from that. That's, that's what self-starters. Yeah. Self-starters, the people that just get out there and do it themselves, you know, not everybody self-starts a company. Many of them get it handed down to them. So good deal. So at this point, you know, as you took off, where did you transition from there? Uh, So I so I bent down one day to clean a lower rocker panel. And it's ironically funny. You know, I just got out of therapy on my way to come here. I've been over the past years, most people, as I came into the industry, 17, 18, 19, saw me big cheeks, heavyweight and a big and a beard, right? Like I was in some massive depression. Uh, I ended up getting spinal stenosis, but I, we didn't figure that out till a couple of years ago. Um, and so I've got, you know, I'm, I'm actually been regrowing muscle. So I, my spinal stenosis collapsed my spine so that, you know, it cut yeah. off the nerves to my lower back to my hips and to my legs. And there was part of my legs that they were reintroducing blood. Like the brain basically just stopped talking to parts of my leg. So they, in therapy about, I don't know, uh, January or maybe December, 2020, they interjected blood back to certain parts of my leg for the first time. I hadn't seen it because it just, it went dormant. Um, so it's just ironically funny that I'm in that situation now, but at a, like a 24 year old kid, I remember, you know, well, maybe I was 20, 25 by then or something, l- l- leaning down to a lower rocker panel and feeling just that little tweak in your back. And I just, I had enough foresight for some reason that I went, I'm loving everything that I'm doing. I just know that there's no way later in life I'll be able to keep doing this. So I said, okay, what is it that I love the most about what I'm doing? And how do I think I can do that more in my life? And so I went, well, I love, I mean, I love this part of it. I love cleaning cars more than anything else that I was doing. How do I clean more cars? The next logical step for me and the way I thought was, okay, I need to go get a car wash. 
if I love washing cars and I want to wash more of them, that's the next logical step. Now, today, if you put that out into a group forum, God, you would be fucking hung up yeah. like, like detailers would not like slaughter. You would be destroyed, right? Like, yeah, you no, know, because that's what so many detailers want to say is wrong, right? You don't go to a car wash. But for me, as the business owner, I went, if I want to do more of what I'm doing, that's the next logical step. So one of my accounts that I had that, uh, I mean, he was that you have them, right? There's those anal customers that you have to be, you know, at a mobile, it was be here at 7 a.m. on a Friday, every Friday. And it was cool. I knew that I had this account. I had multiple other accounts. I had to be there at a certain time to make sure that these people's cars were clean. We, I developed a maintenance style business so that I could guarantee income every month. And um, he was one of my accounts and he owned a bunch of properties. I just asked if I could sit down and have a meeting with him. So I went to his secretary and I said, listen, I just, I'd like to ask him some questions. How do I go through some of these ideas? And I sat down with him. His name was Mike Sitton. And I told him what I wanted to do. I told him that story. And he reached back into these uh, blueprints and he goes, just so happens he was developing car wash. But his key that he needed was a young, dumb guy that would just get in there and work his ass off and, and build the wash, you know, from the management position. So that's how I got into car washing. And uh, then the next week or so, one of my other accounts, literally a guy approached me and said, hey, I've been meaning to talk to you about starting a car wash. Now, his name was David Davis, and he was the, uh, well, he was in charge of Cricket Communications before they got bought by AT&T. So the guy that I went into business with was a couple of different people. But the main person I worked with that taught me a lot about marketing and a lot about guerrilla style marketing was the person who was in charge of developing cricket across the country. And cricket wow. started with heavy guerrilla marketing, heavy guerrilla. So, you know, it, it was really cool for me as then at, you know, a 20, I think I was like 27, 28, something like that, walked into a $1.8 million, $1.6 million car wash facility and owned that for a couple of years. Um, and uh, then I, I, I made a mistake, right? I made a mistake for, for me. Uh, I kind of got lured over from a company to be their GM of operations and they were going to develop 10 car washes locally. So I was going to GM all 10 and I was going to take uh, anywhere from 10 to 15 cents per car that came through. Um, so it was a good opportunity to make a, a lot of money if it all went through, but uh, so I left and sold out my ownership in that wash and joined this guy. And uh, then the 10, 11, 12 crash happened, but it kind of started in eight. Um, yeah. Nine was bad. His main income was uh, uh, buildings and homes and all that. That was when the housing market crashed. So, the, oh, yeah. so he couldn't keep like it just it crashed. Everything crashed around us. And uh, I got relieved of my position and it was OK, what do I do? Um, I'd already started talking to Carbright because I'd used Carbright before. Um, a guy named Ronnie Laporte gave me a shot. Um, I owe a lot to him and a guy named John Wall, who was from Valvoline at that time. He helped me a lot. And um, these guys gave me an opportunity to, to go out and sell products because uh, I, didn't, I didn't know where else to go. I didn't want to go back into management. I didn't want to go work for a brand. And um, so I just clean cars throughout the day, clean cars at night, and then learned how to try and sell whenever I had time. Uh, and it took me six months, over six months to get my first account. So 
in those six months was nothing but beating the streets, doing mobile detailing, um, insuring up our regular. I went right back into, you know, many of the customers from 2002, 2003, we serviced at the wash. And then I began to reservice them in mobile settings, all on maintenance style. So I've always been maintaining people's vehicles so that I could get a base income so that then I could build off of that base income. Um, yeah. And that's when I started uh, Total Auto Solutions out of my garage, uh, bought some chemical and uh, put it in my garage and then learned how to try and sell chemical and clean cars at the same time. Yeah. And maintenance, if we could just touch on that, maintenance has been such a key to retention and success of most businesses that do it that way, because that's a filler for work. You know, when you have holes in the schedule, there's so many different ways you could play off the maintenance and follow-ups and how that creates that relationship in a more organic way of being able to indirectly market because you got these customers talking for you about how much they like the work and where do they go. And that all kind of helps with new clients as well. And I've seen that over the years. Maintenance is definitely key. I'm glad to hear you say that because it's actually counter to many of the other people that are in the industry that really just talk about, hitting these multi-level coatings, hitting these big tickets, you wine and dine your customer, but then you don't see them again for five years, right? Like why would you want to put something on somebody's car and not see them again for five years or hopefully maybe see them every year for a, you know, come refresh something like yeah. there's no way to grow a business long-term unless you continuing to maintain that customer's vehicle. And that's the best thing for the customer too. Why would they want to go do somewhere else? If you're the premier and the best, why wouldn't you want to service them? Why wouldn't they want to be serviced by you? Why would you want to say bye-bye for a year or seven years? It, that The stuff that the multi-level brands have brought into the industry have just destroyed so much work that had been done before growing the industry. And it, it really has, in our opinion, put us backwards. I think a lot of people pigeonhole themselves over the past couple of years. No, I agree because a lot of them will, will complete the job, large ticket, send it, and then hope for another large ticket to complete and send. And there's no follow-up. There's no, hey, how are you doing? Uh, we got to get you back in. There's nothing even in regards to a conversation about maintenance, which completely throws me off because I've got, even personally in my local market, I have that even with establishing so many first, first, first in my market, I'm still seeing guys just go with the, the traditional ways of, we're just going to get this on and send it out. It should last. If it's a good product, it should last those many years. And it's like, even, you know, 10, 20, 30, $50,000 diamond rings have to be clean. You know what I mean? It's not like, just because it's this much, it's going to self-cleaning. It's got a force field around it, like freaking star Wars. You know what I mean? It's these things are unrealistic. So yeah. And but that's been that. the that's been the predominant push from certain brands that got heavy marketing money into influx into their business or their distributors of a brand. They do really great at simply marketing, which is wonderful. They've grown their business. Great. Happy for them. But what did it do to so many guys in the industry, gals, anybody that's in the car care world? Like, what did it do to them? It, it didn't really teach them practicality of trying to grow their own brand in a local setting for years and maybe decades. There's plenty of those people in 2020 that, and especially in 2021, as there's continual movement down of the economy, that those people are just gone. I mean, you just, you don't even see them in groups anymore. You don't hear from them anymore. No, nope. just literally gone. 
Uh, but people don't ever talk about it. Don't see, you know, they themselves aren't putting out there. There's so many different people that are new, right? And that's what we keep saying. How much newness has come in? Well, newness has come in, but a lot of those people that were pigeonholed, they're out. You know? Yeah. Tons of them. Yeah, no. And I would love to see where, you know, if the coding companies, don't get me wrong, they've shifted. They've done a lot better in trying to help with customer retention. And there's Had other- to. They've had and to. There's other companies who have contributed to that without mentioning their names that have had very successful retention programs that these major brand coding companies recognize. So they see, oh, wow, this is actually helping our installers. The biggest thing I'd like to see, and not to get off subject, but with these long-term codings is offer, the, offer your detailer, your technician as a coding company, offer them a maintenance topper a very, very, very entry-level formula. Maybe as a standalone, it gives a year plus, but it's a quantity anywhere from a 50 to 100 mil bottle because if they're getting that retention and doing those annual maintenance services or in annual inspections, that helps promote the longevity of that coding system because that not only will you know, get you to the term, but it'll meet the term, but also help exceed the term. So now that term is not an expiration date to say. And yes, does it refresh it? Yes. Does it cost a little bit more time and money? Yeah. Charge accordingly. But it gets them back in the door. Well, and that's perfect example for in a shop setting, right? Um, most of those people over the years have just let those customers go, right? Yeah. And don't have them come in for... Uh, you're right. One of the technicians to apply something that's very simple, like Uno or Dose, right? To talk yeah, yeah. to, you know, to put something that's our hyper clean Uno and Dose. Like to put that on is very simple for uh, for anybody that is remotely around <laughs> waxing, sealing a car, putting on a coating. You're like you can put on Uno. We have a girl here that um, she put it on her own car, and we did videos showing it. Like. It's very user-friendly on the install, but also look at it from a mobile setting. You know, HyperClean Uno and Dose is at the forefront. We've always pushed and never have understood why mobile detailers haven't gone into coatings. They've been scared. Well, it's because of the other brands, these multi-level brands, the way they've marketed that you have to do all this other stuff, which I think would be interesting to get into, especially on reflection artists. We'll get into that in a second, but uh, how can a mobile detailer go and they're missing out on so many coding opportunities because they didn't have something that was user-friendly on the install in a mobile setting. And they couldn't guarantee something five, seven, 10. You just, you can't do that, especially as mobile. But the benefit of mobile and offering a coding is in using something like HyperClean uh, Slick that we just came out with. The purest, the perfect silica spray. It has no dyes, no fragrance. It leaves zero streaks. And so if you put on our coding, then you come back and maintain it monthly, weekly, however you set up your maintenance and you re-add in HyperClean Slick on top, which is pure silica, you're, you're going to continue to see that one go to two years. You're going to see your two year go to three years. Like your customer is going to be thrilled. Your user experience is great. And it's the best way we believe that a detailer could grow their business overall long-term. No, hundred percent agree. And it's, it's the, the resistance of those that don't believe in that kind of service and or maintenance product they they for some reason have it in their head that if this product i put on says it's going to do this then it should do this with just having to wash it it's like eh, life doesn't work like that no. you know that at that point they're not being realistic with themselves and they're leaving money on the table and 
realistically, somebody else is going to pick up that money, another local detailer or whatever the case may be. Or and, the customer, right? The, or the end customer just doesn't have a good experience because two uh, years now they're later, jaded. Now they never want a coding again or, yeah. or detail service because they think every detailer, like body shops, oh, I don't want to go to a body shop because they can't do this, they can't do that because they've had some bad experience. I see the same thing with details, mechanics. Ah, uh, you know, it's hard to find a great mechanic because they're all this or all that. It's like, no, like find the right one, get a good experience, just like a detailer. Mm-hmm. But it makes so, a detailer have to understand then what makes a good customer experience. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Big time. So without diving too much into that maintenance, because we, me and you could go on that subject. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going into, you know, you developing HyperClean and how that evolved and, and the products that you managed to, to create within that lineup. And of course, moving forward from there. Yeah, cool. Um, as coatings begin to grow, I decided to start to branch out and figure out, went to SEMA, um, uh, a friend, buddy of mine has kept bugging me to go to SEMA, go to SEMA. So I did. And there I made the decision. All right. The first year I went, cool. Started to see coatings. 20, uh, uh, 2015, I joined on 2016, somewhere around there with CP. Um, from the different groups that I'd met. Um, I really enjoyed talking um, with, with, with the guy that I, I, I was talking to. Um, went back, he answered more questions. I sit there for a good hour and, um, and started a good relationship. Well, I began to go do what I had agreed, just like most detailers and installers do. Great, I'll buy the product. You're going to give me a territory? Cool. I'll work my territory and begin to grow it. Well, just also like so many other detailers over the past years, my territory got invaded. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> That's a perfect word for it. Right? Like, oh, this guy's starting to move some stuff. Let's add somebody else in. Wait, I thought I had a territory. So, so I call back up uh, the guy that, you know, had been working with me. We'd really start to doing some good stuff. I've enjoyed them. I still reach out and say hi every once in a while. You know, I, I shake his hand at SEMA. Um, and I said, though, but hey, you got this guy that's now suddenly and he's only about four miles from me. So, hey, what's up with this? Oh, you know, well, it just happened. This just was like, hey, listen, that's yeah. not the way we that's not the way I do business. So uh, I'm not going to keep pushing your brand out and knowing that you're going to come back door me. And there's so many people that that happened to over the past years. And that's why I find these territories is ludicrous. It's, it's bullshit. Like it's, it's a scary misleading right? like, and smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. So I had the moment to go, cool. I had been distributing for some people. Um, maybe it's time to put my name out. You know, if I think I could do it, it was still early, right? I mean, it's 2016. It's early 2015, somewhere through there, you know, it's early into the coding game. I went, hey, I might have a shot. I won't ever know unless I take the chance. And so that's that's when we came out with the brand. Um, but my first really into the industry light was uh, I began to listen to a guy named Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he had what was called the 2017 Flip Challenge. And he kept saying it, saying it. And it was like, finally, I went, you know what? Okay, I'm going to take it. So the challenge was to come up with something that you could buy and flip. So I looked at the industry and I kept learning. I was like, okay, I'm already doing coatings. I've got the, like, what's something that I can buy and try and flip? And I looked around and I went, hmm, we have Rupes, we got Flex, we got uh, the, the, the chemical guys polisher. We had another polisher. Um, the Evo, I think, was the chemical guys. And we had another, like, but there was only a handful, four or five 
right? In 2017, we only had four or five main brands of polishers that were trying to service this whole industry. When I mean polishers, I mean dual action, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I said, okay, I think maybe that's a shot that I could take. So I began to get in all these polishers, test them, figure out what I liked, what I didn't like, and then found the one that I began to then work on private labeling and bringing it as my brand. And that put me at the forefront of Mobile Tech Expo Orlando, where I'd been working with Sonax and been working with DRC pads. Um, and, and they allowed me to come into their booth and help try and sell the polisher. Well, that was a big step for me. I took a team. We all stepped. I mean, it was a big step out and I sold one unit. That was Max, the jeweler, Max, the jeweler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I sold one unit, but what was special and typically, right, if you only sell one, you did all that, you might kind of go, mm, maybe this isn't worth it. But that one unit pissed somebody off so much that they got me kicked out of those booths. And I went, oh, shit, that's a global brand that got pissed off at me, just a single guy for selling one unit. Blood in the water, right? blood in the water. You could sniff it. You could smell it. And I just go, Oh shit. That means there's an opportunity because if yeah. they're mad at me, this little guy and get me kicked out, that means they're defending something. And what is it that they're defending? I got to go after that. So yeah. that's that category. I, there you go. That's when I go, okay, cool. How do I now begin to put the brand overall, start to put it out into the overall industry and so from then at 2016, 17, I still continued and we still do it today. We still maintain customers' cars. We still maintain the same people from 2002, 2003. And then we still maintain multiple places around here locally that we still service them with chemicals. So it's always been a step. All right. Then you take another step and then you take another step. Now, some of those other, you know, we don't maintain every car that we used to. We don't maintain every local customer that we used to. There's always progression forward. But then over the years, continuing to do it all allowed us an opportunity to go further into this national brand, which put me at the uh, at Detail Fest. I was actually courting. I was at Detail Fest when I met you. I was courting a, a company out of Japan. And they bought some coatings from me and they wanted me to come back and talk to them more. And I was, that's why I was there. And I saw you and I'd seen you around, but I didn't know you. You didn't know me. And I just took an opportunity, walk up, shake your hand say, Hey man, I'm just, I think, you know, you, you've got a pretty good name around. I, I see people talk to you a lot. I would just love your feedback on this. I just gave yeah. you that bottle, right? Yeah, you know, like yeah. it was a box with the bottle. Well, a box with the bottle. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was like, oh, cool. And then I looked inside and there was a coating. I'm like, oh, great. Another coating. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's that's how I got started, you know, just being at the expos, walking around, meeting people. Um, it was interesting over the years as some of the other brands would start to recognize me and they go, Hey, I've seen you before. Like, Hey, why do you keep coming back? And then I had a booth, you know, first I was just the guy and then I had a booth, you know, it, it's funny as I've joked in your, uh, in your trainings that we do with you certifying detailers there at, at, at your shop. Um, <laughs> I joked that early on, we were the side bitch, you know, that was the way I went, right? Like happy to be the side bitch in the industry that allowed us to an opportunity to be inside people's shops, even if they were using a big brand for, you know, their five, seven years, 
I wanted to be your one, two, three year guy. And uh, it's fun over the years. Now the side bitch is becoming the main bitch. And uh, we are beginning to have a, a push of where we see what's best for the industry because we have 40 plus years of ownership inside the uh, inside the car care world. And there's nobody else. There's there's not another company out there that has two guys still maintaining, still cleaning, still working with 40 plus years of experience in the car care industry. That's nice. That says a lot. Yeah. Now, with your with your lineup too, and you dipping into coding. Speaking of the coding that you introduced to me, which at that time was CC105, and and to go back a little bit, I mean, you know, with the Total Auto Solutions brand, and you had quite a few things named thing, you know, named differently. But now, as you've evolved into the HyperClean uh, title, everything is going to fall underneath that title, and it's also made it a little bit more. Um, say understanding of how your lineup is, especially with the coatings, like you have the Uno Dose tray, which tray is the traditional CC 105. So realistically formula didn't change of course, but the label did just for being more relevant. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, part of that journey, uh, if you remember what I've just said, right. Uh, into school for, you know, studying scriptures in a sense and how to work in missiology, right? Then you just pick up a power washer and start cleaning cars and concrete. Then I just decided to get into chemicals and people helped me, you know, to go out and sell chemicals at a dealership or in detail uh, shop settings, right? Like nobody, there wasn't somebody to help me know how to grow. And I, that's my point of not having, there's no guidebook. There's nobody that can tell you, you got to do this step and this step. Like you just got to get information where you can try and figure things out. And that's what I I did. So when I saw something that I thought the industry needed, right, for some reason in my mind, I thought it all had to come under another uh, line. And then Total Auto Solutions was going to be this umbrella company that had next level coatings, had green clean, had um, when then I came out with hyper clean. And the, the reason why hyper clean came out was as I started selling coatings and as I was selling the polishers, and then I moved into a soft paint pad system because GMC paints black suck and nobody else had a system full of pads to specifically work with soft paint. So I began to put together things that I saw the industry needed, but I thought I needed to have them in all different, like they needed their own company in a sense, right? They needed their own line. Um, when Nick came in uh, last year, um, that's, it was a big movement for what he said, you know, but, and some of it came out of like you and I talked a second ago in a training and when a certified training we do with you, I had the different things laid out on the table and a guy that's looking to buy some stuff goes, uh, well, is this the same brand or what brand is it? Like it was confusing for people. So a lot of that's because up here is just running nonstop and I'm just trying to, you know, a lot of times just figure things out. So yeah, we've moved it all to the name HyperClean um, and it's Uno Dose Tray. We've got the HyperClean One Pad. We've got, you know, HyperClean Eco One is now, it was Green Clean, is now Eco One because we've infused it with slick. Um, and so we can now wash and protect the car streak free. Uh, that it's really phenomenal because, you know, waterless, a lot of times you got to keep rubbing or, you know, you use certain products to protect paint. You just got to keep rubbing to get those streaks and smears off. Yeah. Ours is streak free. So a lot, a lot easier to use and a lot better for the vehicle too, because you're not having to continue to rub and press on that car so much. Yeah. All that friction on that paint's no good. And then you also have, I mean, 
you, you did a approach to being more eco-friendly by some super concentrates as well. Um, that was a huge, huge deal for you, especially because you kind of introduced that. I mean, a lot of companies have been very eco-friendly in regards to the chemistry that they've introduced, but you did it in a fashion that allowed for less plastic, less packaging, uh, and more product to say for a better cost. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I, it's, it's a segment of the industry that it, it really is changing, right? Um, we used to, if you're a detailer, you only bought five gallons. So many people are only buying gallons and spray bottles because that's the way the industry is evolving. Um, when I started to come out with HyperClean, the ultra concentrates, it's because where I saw the industry at that time and where I thought that I could help solve a problem. The problem that people have is they're paying so much for a five gallon of tire cleaner, wheel cleaner, you know, right? Yeah. Quote unquote degreaser. I know detailers don't want to call it degreaser anymore. It's, you know, tire and rim cleaner or, you know, uh, there's all different names, but at yeah. the end of the day, Same product, different categories. Yeah, at the <laughs> end of the day, it's a high pH cleaner, AKA degreaser, right? Like, so when I looked at it, I said, how do I get that to somebody in New York, in LA and, you know, in Florida and wherever, and I'm in Oklahoma, I can't ship them a container. That's not practical for me as yeah. a person in my business and toss or across the board. There you go. So how do I help? get somebody product at a lower cost that is good for me and my company, but I can save that customer a shit ton of money. Oh, I just got to figure out how not to ship them water. And the idea, a lot of it came from tied refill bags, right? I use the same pump sprayers over and over when I'm washing my hands and I have a refill bag of product from a hand soap company. When I refill my, uh, containers at home for Tide, I use that Tide refill bag, right? Like that's where the idea kind of came from. And I went, hey, if these brands can do it, why can't I? And we began to develop um, a line of ultra concentrates. It's 32 ounces that you pour into a five gallon cube, fill it up with water. Uh, so you got to, and then you can dilute it further in your spray bottle from there. And you begin to realize how much water brands are actually sending out, which is fine. Water's a binding agent. Everybody needs water in their product. So it's not a question of if they should, you have to have water in your product. Yeah, have it to. contributes to weight is what it comes down to. Weight costs money. Well, no, I'm just saying like in, in everybody's formula, water is the binding agent oh, for the yeah. chemicals, right? So when you get our bag, you'll see it. A lot of times there's separation. You pour it in, you fill it up with water, that creates the binding part. It, it binds all the products together. The thing is, you start to realize, right? Okay, there's a lot of water in there. It's not just weight. You go, well, damn, what am I paying for? Am I paying for the chemical or am I paying for the water? Because that water's pretty fucking expensive. I can get it out of my water hose a lot cheaper than I can get it from these other brands if you used an ultra concentrate, right? And you're right. There's other brands that have come out with ultra concentrate since then. And they began to develop systems to help sell a, an ultra concentrate. But where the industry is, is still, we've moved to those gallons and those 16 ounces. So that's why there's an evolution also in the hyperclean brand overall. We've now also, as the industry continues to push that way, we're going to continue to offer and tell people you can save money this way 
but we understand that you want a great product and you want it in a gallon. I mean, it just, it is what it is. So we began to put stuff out in gallons. It's crazy. When you see detailers, they take pictures of their shop or their mobile units. How many of them use gallons and don't touch five gallon cubes? So we can't fight it on that, right? We just, as a business, then we have to give them the opportunity to also buy our product in a gallon. So. Well, and, and not to get too far off subject, but let's also touch on how financially not every detailer is ready to make those kind of purchases because they're living outside of their means with their expenses or not watching their, you know, P&Ls and the whole financial side of that has, I'm sure plays a, a huge effect in Peter, Robin, Paul, and making sure that the next job will pay for the next order kind of scenario. But you're right too, to your point, there's still even the mindset, you know, regardless of financial aspect, there's the mindset of, I think a lot of that comes down to marketing. You know, a lot of the companies have marketed pints, quarts and gallons. So that's what they see. That's what you buy. And there's, you know, if they don't see it in the lineup, there's probably, you know, not a five gallon. So I'm not even going to ask where I can't think to ask because I didn't see it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because if you look over the industry over the past, let's just say 10 years, right? Let's take that ballpark. The main brands that have exploded, they've generally been somebody that's an entrepreneur style, right? You had Adams on recently, right? Entrepreneur. Yeah. Out there busting his tail, right? Oh, then yeah. he gets, you know, then other people come in and invest. Then they buy B&B blending. Then they do all this stuff. And this other group does, right? But starts as an entrepreneur working out by himself. Uh, you've got a lot of these brands that began to really push heavy chemical guys, right? Like another same story, right? Began to push their agenda around the market using technology, using social media, using all these different formats that you didn't see the brands that whether they had been given a company by their dad, by generations, or they're just built solely on influx of money and people investing into the company, right? That's the general side of where the industry has been over the past 10 years. You got those people over here and then you got the entrepreneurs, right? So as the entrepreneurs began to push the industry in their direction, what was their direction? Spray bottles, and gallons. So the five gallon companies, they began to lose market share in the detailing world from like a professional detailer inside of some of the shops, inside anybody mobile. They began to lose traction because over the past decade, these entrepreneurial brands began to take over, which is why now I think you see so many brands moving also into those gallons, spray bottles, try and get stuff out there. But I think the industry changed by some of the entrepreneurs who pushed forward. They were the ones uh, you, you look at a, you look at a race and you, do you always go against, you know, do you always vote for and put your money down on the horse or is it the jockey? Right. You know, a lot of brands and companies have been given to the jockey, right? They've been passed down to them. The jockey themselves is really what's most important when you're looking at companies, because the ones that are pushing the industry, pushing the envelope, pushing and pushing, they're the ones that eventually grow into doing what we see Adams, what we saw chemical guys, what we've seen some of these brands do. And it's exciting. Jeremy at Shine Supply. That's a great example, too. Oh, gosh, As yeah. an entrepreneur guy pushing his agenda, uh, we've had on the podcast, we had Josh from uh, Detail uh, Fanatics detail addicts who developed his, his, his polishes, uh, last cut, 
right? You know, you've got some of these brands that have really started from an entrepreneur pushing out their agenda. And that's where we see, you know, that's where I see the industry headed. And so that's where we're, we're messing into and getting into those gallons and smaller sizes because that's where the industry is. Yeah. And I think it helped on a positive note because there's so much to choose from to be able to have those smaller sizes at your fingertips for testing, right? I want to try this. I want to try that just so I can get an idea of how it works and why, or I bought it because of the hype. I mean, there's so many ways that could spin off, but those sizes yeah. can complement at least being able to buy enough to try it to know if you like it or so, if it fits in your arsenal. So you mentioned trying different stuff and having some different things around. This, this is an answer question. I'd love to know your feedback and all the way in my feedback too, because I listened to some of your episodes, right? I've talked to plenty of other people. There are certain brands that distribute for people that say, hey, you've got to use our system, right? Our five, seven year coding that, oh, by the way, we changed the graphene because we said a lab knew it better than people out in the real world. But then the real world, people are having massive problems with graphene. It's grabby. It's a horrible experience to apply it. They thought that was the right way to do it. Oh, since they're failing and we're having all these issues, having a five, seven year coding. Oh, it's because you're not using our product. And you got to clean your car with this soap. And, oh, you've got to use this to do this. And oh, if you didn't prep it with our prep spray, even though you've used the same prep spray for two years and you've you've said it works and it's great for all your other cars. But if you didn't use our prep spray, then that's why the coating failed. It's not our fault. I, what detailer doesn't just veg out their own products and they know this product works great. Maybe this product, there's no company that does every single product. And we, we're not no, going to come it, out. Not with every, every product's a home run. Yeah. We're not going to come out with every product for the industry. No, we're going to pick yeah. the ones that we specialize in and we know that we'll do the best on. I'd really love to know your opinion on that. Why do, why do some brands that, you know, they might distribute for a company overseas and they're distributing here and saying, Hey, these people over here told us you got to do this. And so the, if, if our coding fails, you know, it's because you didn't prep it with our spray. Like, why do you choose different companies to work with inside your business? And why do you think that's important instead of just buying one thing from one whole company? So I'm going to give you two different answers. I'll give you the professional answer of, of what's most respected in, in that answer. And then I'll give you my personal don't give a answer. Um, <laughs> so professional answer would be, you know, product synergy, obviously the chemists and people who are behind developing these products know the product synergy of one product application after another in regards to the process. So by doing that, it kind of diffuses a lot of issues that may occur because you obviously once you build or develop a product and send it out all across the U S or the world, you're not controlling everything that happens with it. So you try to control that in the lab by creating the product to complement the next one, and the next one, and so forth. In defense for the manufacturer, I think that's the mindset of it, right? So yeah. that's the professional feedback. My feedback from technician experience and running the shop for 13 years is this. I take each category. I, I push the limits of each product in that category. So for example, panel prep. There's a lot of different panel prep products out there that have been there before coatings came along because of the body shop industry. You know, there's solvent based and all these different things, water based, you name it. There's all kinds of things to choose from in that category. The best thing is to do is what I've done is challenge each product to see where it hits the mark on what you're trying to achieve as an individual to move on to the next step. Once I find a happy medium of that specific product for that category, 
that's the one I keep. And I also know that it doesn't compromise anything moving forward, even if I'm using multiple brands. And I do that through R&D and testing in-house. Is it time? Is it money? Yeah, but this is also business because once you fine tune that process, that is a very, very well oiled engine that will just go through and make you some serious dough. So for that reason, when you fine tune that process, instead of listening to so-and-so from this or the manufacturer said that, taking it upon yourself after, of course, properly educating yourself and, and, and through the R&D process, you realize, okay, this is a product that's going to do this and I needed to do that and there's no adverse effect. Okay, moving forward. Now for the coatings. So I, I use a different panel prep. I have one that's dedicated that I like. I may use different coatings, but again, for coatings for me, I look at the formulation in the bottle, not the brand on the bottle. You know, everybody has a different formulation and if it's user-friendly and it works and it lives up to the expectations of what the manufacturer said and what I'm telling my customers, we're good. And then for toppers, I use a different topper for some of these systems because I played with so many. So I don't always use the product synergy to say, but I also have great success with the process that I've been able to learn and inherit to execute in my shop to be successful. Yeah. Real world. Right. Yeah. It's kind of why I said a second, like, and that's, what's interesting is brands that will, will go out and say, well, we have a chemist. Good. Good. Great. So does, so does your competitor. And yeah. The other competitor and the other it, competitor. Exactly. So many people have chemists that are in a lab. Some of these chemists are in a lab in a different part of the world. Some of them never even touched a car other than the one Bingo. they drive. Bingo. Right? <laughs> that was going to be my next thing. So you got a distributor for a product that's telling people use our synergy because there's this guy in a lab in, in another part of the country that he's formulated it. And, and listen, we know just because, you know, because we're the brand. So we know, right? Well, you don't know. You don't know how the lab over in another part of the world is going to develop a product that works in different parts of the world, right? There's no way that the product is going to work in Florida the same as it's going to work in California, that's going to work in New York up to different, right? Yeah. It's, it's ludicrous to think that all chemist in all lab in a different part of the world has the best thing for the detailer's application, for the detailer's business, which is why we haven't stuck. And this is why we, listen, people that say they manufacture great. I've worked with manufacturers so that they can help private label products for each other. And I've been directly involved with it. So I know there's major brands that they don't manufacture all their own product. They use other people to private label. And that's a benefit of the industry, right? That's a yeah. benefit of everybody yeah. can work together because of these brands that have started to evolve that help all the each other brands, right? Yeah. And the benefit of working with such of these companies is there th <coughs> excuse me is it throughout the country right so i don't have to rely on one chemist in one lab i get tons of chemists i get tons of labs that can come up with stuff that we can then work with no we don't like this we want this we put it out the beauty of nick or what he does he hits 500 plus cars a week in his business so you know what our real world testing is 500 cars a week it's not a lab that it sits for months getting rain on or getting this wind testing. Yeah, I know those are valid, but what about the user experience? What does a customer feel months after they get the service, right? Like, yeah. what, do they, what do they see in a real world? And we're at the forefront of that because why? Because 
we're detailers. We're still running detailing business. We know that we have to take care of people and that's what a service-based business is. So we want to make sure that we can outsource, bring in raw product and then manufacture it, put it out to the industry, put it out to people that are cleaning cars for people or they're cleaning cars themselves. You know, that side of the industry is dramatically grown and almost every brand is headed in that direction too, is helping then the people that um, are cleaning cars themselves, as well as the people that are cleaning cars professionally. No, I agree. And, and to the whole subject, you know, we're not throwing shade on anything or anybody in regards to the great chemists. We're just, you know, offering different perspectives in regards to the subject. So that way people could think outside of the box in regards to the products, the brands, the chemicals they're using. Um, and it just gives a different way of thinking about it, you know, and that way you have that insight as, you know, not just one way of thinking that it has to be that way because play, have fun. It's detailing, you know, we're, we're problem solvers at the end of the day. Um, and you know, with manufacturers, yes, they have their set ways, but we're the users and we can help change those set ways. That's, that's what the industry side of what we do is so great that the actual manufacturers listen to this technicians installers because other industries that's not the case at all there's a problem they're like yeah not our problem it's your problem i mean one of the major problems over the past years has been you know sprays or toppers as some people say that yeah they do great but their user experience creates massive streaks you got to continue to work and so i know we said that a second ago like listen i it's our hottest moving product right now, HyperClean Slick. It, it's blowing everything out of the water. Direct sun, no streaks. Everybody loves it. I mean, it, and that, I, from what you said, I wanted to bring it back up because that proves what some of the stuff that we're trying to do, we can formulate from all these different places, bring it in-house, you know, put it together. We get our raw, we make it, we manufacture it for people, and we know that we are going to put out something that has the best user experience. And you're listening. That's the thing. You're yeah. listening to the technician. You're listening to the market. You're listening to the detail community. It may not even be hey, about your community. product. <laughs> um, but we are coming up on time, Marty. So a couple things. Um, give me some last words of advice to anybody listening and what you may you know, feel that you would want to put out there. Yeah. Uh, I think mine that I always talk about, um, I, I was on Rennie's episode and he kind of asked me something similar like, what would be your best advice for growing a business? Um, we have uh, Greg from Masterson's Car Care on uh, on our episodes on Tuesdays at the Pints of Polishing Podcast. Uh, and um, Sean from Orbis X has started into that, which is cool. And that's what we, we just talked about on, this, on yesterday. Um, what I think most people don't get in business, it's how much time it takes. Not only time on a daily basis, time it takes years, possibly a decade, right? Uh, the analogy that I heard early on from uh, as I was starting to try and learn sales, I would listen to, did you ever listen to CDs, right? It's a funny joke. Some people don't even know what CDs are. Shit, I, would I put still a, have a case in the shop with about 200 of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, CD of Zig Ziglar. Um, Zig okay. Ziglar was a massive sales guy. Yes. And he talked about how and I don't, I'll butcher the quote, but somewhere, I think six years or something like it takes six years to grow bamboo. Um, you can, you can continue to water, continue to put stuff on. You've got to continue to, you know, put, you got to continue to continue to continue. And then suddenly things start to hit the bamboo grows and 
at that six-year mark, you see this massive influx and everything moves, right? The amount of time, I don't think people understand. Listen, because I, I, I was the same way. I opened a business and I thought right, just because I opened and we did we ran into this at the car wash too. Like you open a business, doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to come in. No. The whole mentality of if you build it, they will come was a great movie. You know, I, very inspiring. Stands. Yeah, very inspiring, but it's not practical in business. You can't just open something and expect it to, to, to just go. It takes, and I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, right? How much I've done over the years, still maintaining people's cars and still servicing customers. But then I had to start building from what I wanted to do, build a brand, a national brand. How much time that took every day, I mean, hours at night, all those videos from 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, like until uh, 20 and then 21, where we were able to bring in people to help manage and run. And we've had a great girl working with us that edits all those videos. Well, I used to do all that myself and put out the content and it 18 hours a day minimum, right? Like, I mean, it's nonstop. So you have to, whatever dream you desire out of your business and out what you want to do, you've got to understand it's going to take you hours and hours, not just out there cleaning cars, but then coming home and going into local social media groups, not the national ones are fine to entertain yourself in those. I go into them because it's beneficial for my brand. But we recommend so many detailers go into local Facebook groups, interact with people. There's car spotting groups. There's cooking groups. There's all kinds of groups you can just interact with people. We recommend people do podcasts, right? But not to other detailers. The people in our community that do podcasts, they do it for local, right? They go interview local people. They go interact with local people. Anything you can do locally, right? Start working on, you got to take videos, right? You got to take videos while you're working on a car. Well, then at night, you got to come home and edit those videos so you can put them out. Why do you need to edit them? Because you got to get them the best that you can possibly have them look, right? Just because you take a video and throw it out there doesn't mean people are going to want to watch it. So you got to enhance. And so, I mean, it's just hours and hours and hours every day. And then it takes years and years and years to build. You'll go up, you'll go down. You go up, you go down. It goes this way and goes this way, right? It takes a shit ton of time. And that's what I, I always just put out is, listen, time. It's your, greatest, uh, it's your greatest resource, but it's also your most depleting resource. You will always lose time. It will always deplete. So it becomes your most valuable thing that you should cherish. And if your baby is your business and that's what you cherish, then you got to merge the two. You got to spend a lot of time on your business in order for it to grow. I like it. That's great advice. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. And of course, both of us being products of that statement. Definitely. Yeah. So, you understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, how would people find you, reach you, and or figure out how to get your products? Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, the best way to get in touch: shoot me a text direct nine one eight eight hundred one one eight eight. But if you want to go follow us on social, I know people will listen to this years later. Uh, we'll have it changed, but for the next couple months. Uh, it's still total auto solutions. It will become hyper clean shop. Um, that's what it will become in social media. Um, you can still find us on TikTok at detail supply app. And listen, TikTok's been fun. I was the first pushing out that people in 2019 and then 2020 and 2021 
Detailers should all be on TikTok. It's a great avenue to, to do creative videos and to get local market share. Um, so you can find us on TikTok at Detail Supply App. Awesome. Well, Marty, thank you for your time. We yeah. really appreciate it. And on behalf of Buff and Shine, thank you. And uh, this will be episode number 41 for Reflection Artist Live, which you can find us on any of the podcast platforms, YouTube, and of course, our Reflection Artist page on Facebook. And uh, anybody watching, all the viewers or listening or whatever the case may be at a later date, thank you as always. You guys are awesome. And Marty, we'll catch up another day. Well, I think we're catching episode. up tonight, right? You're coming on the community pub right. tonight. Let's yeah. not forget to mention that. There's yeah. going to be, yeah. It's a buff and shine takeover. Yeah. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a pretty loaded day of content. So if you yeah. catch it during why it's live. Great. If not catch it at another time and still listen to it. So we yeah. much appreciate that. And I guess I forgot to say that a second ago. Where do people find it? Yeah. You can always find us at the pints of polishing podcast. Here. <laughs> yeah. That too, I'm looking right? forward to that tonight. It's a yeah. lot of fun. Uh, we just get around and sit around and talk, drink beer and talk about detailing. So it's, it's a pub setting you've been on before. It's a great yep. time. So looking yep. forward to it, man. Awesome. Marty, thank you as always. And uh, we'll look forward to talking. I'll talk to you more tonight. Community, man. All right. Have a great Take night. Take care. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.